Uh, go ahead, please. Do most of the intro. I'm out of here. Oh, God. Okay, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Chad's, Chad's leaving. Okay, no, no. Uh, no, welcome back to All This Noise. It's our music podcast made by music people for music yes people. yes i'm chad kenny this is valerie lee I'm valerie lee it's so fun to be back um i yes. feel like we've had a good run of episodes i mean we're gonna continue to have a good run of episodes i don't know why i said it like <laughs> I hope that so. it makes it sound like we're stopping but yeah. i guess because we started not super long ago but i'm i'm happy we've had some really amazing guests and i yes. think that we continue on this week because we have someone named Bright Lights. Yes. And she is a songwriter first, I should say, but is also a producer, a singer, a DJ. And if you don't know her by name, I would say that you've probably actually heard her vocals if you're a dance music fan, which I assume you are if you're here. You know, singer on Porter Robinson's Language, mm -hmm. on Hardwell songs, on Zed songs, on mm -hmm. Zed's Dead songs. So, You've definitely heard her voice. And if not that, then you've definitely heard her songwriting because she's also written songs for some of the biggest names in pop, like Justin Bieber mm. and Britney Spears. Mm. If you've heard of those names, Rings a bell, you know. Guess, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Horrible. we had a great chat. Great chat. Yeah. A lot of like inside baseball kind of music industry stuff, a lot yeah. of like really cool cultural examination stuff. We talked a lot about the state of music right now. Yeah. You know I love that, Val. I love <laughs> I analyzing the time we're in. Chad uh, is very interested in what people have to say about this moment in music. You know, because there's no time like the present. And <laughs> you're listening to this podcast now. I hope your drive is going good. If you're at home watching us on YouTube. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, honestly, this was one of my favorite kind of conversations to have with yeah. someone who's seeing it from, you know, a... a as someone behind the scenes, but also many sides as a performer yeah. and as someone running a record label. And yeah, I feel awesome. like, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting conversation because she's really been, like you said, on every side of the music industry at both a huge scale level, you know, top of the top level, also doing it indie and doing it on her own. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's a lot to learn, honestly, with this, this episode. So Absolutely. hopefully you all enjoy. And thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast so far, shared it with uh, your friends, family, and otherwise. <laughs> Give us a nice little uh, little rating review. Why not? If you're Heck on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, just please. Five stars only, though. You yeah. Know? Five stars. If you're going to do anything <laughs> less than five stars, don't even bother. Yeah. Pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> um, but we appreciate the support so much. Can't wait to bring you more noise. Favorite font, Baby Snoya. Love it. <laughs> the really Shout simple out. Love it. Wait, I so, like simple stuff. I like clean and simple. Yeah. So as like a teenager, were you, what was the origin point of graphic design and getting creative with that kind of stuff? I didn't, I mean, I didn't get into that until I was like in my 20s. Oh, okay. Though. So it came yeah, later. Cause yeah, because I yeah. didn't really have access to like a proper computer mm. or like anything like that. Yeah. I I was talking to um, Sarah DeWarren in the studio yesterday about how like other artists have started so early, mm -hmm. but I didn't even know what a doll was at like 13, 14, 15. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of producers now. Especially who, now. Yeah, yeah. They're putting out records at 15 years old. I'm like, man, I didn't even know what Ableton or Logic or Pro Tools was. Yeah. You know? yeah it was hard though. I mean, even in the mid 2000s, like 
Pro Tools was still pretty industry. Yeah. The only reason why I even knew what Pro Tools was is because my friend, his dad was like a Grammy-winning producer mm. yeah. and singer. His name um, Steve Tyrell. Um, pretty famous like jazz standard singer. But he produced, so he had a studio in the house and uh, we would make our like rap mixtapes and they had he had oh. Pro Tools on the on the. On rap mixtapes, I hear. Were you a rapper? <laughs> no, but like, like we tried. I was like, we're not grazing over that one. <laughs> I was like, we gotta hear more about these well, rap mixtapes. That's out of freestyle. If you call a couple of seventeen-year-old kids sitting around and smoking weed and being like, "Dude, we should definitely freestyle right <laughs> yeah. now and hey. put this on," we should put this on tape so people can hear this greatness, this heat. You had a um, minor blip of a career. Well, hey, we all started doing like, you know, like creative stuff. And that was like the first wave, I think, of when technology started to open it up in the yeah. mid early 2000s. Because I, I I got into Photoshop because I just wanted to make basketball wallpapers. This was like a very <laughs> specific corner of the internet, but it got me into graphic design. So yeah. um, as you get older and then you're doing it for your own career you realize how having that skill set is useful. I never got into graphic design, but when we were talking about, you know, like things that you got into early on, I was thinking about how MySpace was what got me into like HTML. Like when oh, I started wow. to teach myself how to do HTML, and I feel mm -hmm. like so many people that are my age, like have that same experience. Mm -hmm. And even I'm willing to admit that it wasn't just MySpace, it was Neopets. Yeah. If you guys know what Neopets is. Totally. <laughs> I was definitely yes. customizing my little Neopets pages Aww. with HTML. Those are really useful skills, and I love I love that. I bet when you, I love when you go on the MySpace uh, page of someone and like three different songs were playing at once. Oh my god, yeah! And the oh, cursor was yeah, like glittery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a mess! What a mess! What if a only, beautiful time. I hope half of our listeners. Dude, uh, my are, whole career started off of MySpace. Oh my god, my yes, entire career. Yes. So tell us about that. Yeah. So the, because a lot of people don't realize how important myspace music was yeah, yeah. so An icon i was writing for years and years i went to berkeley for about three years oh cool left berkeley toured with missy elliott for a few months Casual. then moved to <laughs> then moved to new york okay. and that's where i started songwriting for other artists so every day i would write a record every single day writing another song another song for years and years never making a dime no one was listening to it it was literally <laughs> just me developing my pen and but you know every couple of weeks i would send out cold emails and cold messages to executives and mm -hmm. ARs and record labels and about three and a half years into the process i finally got my first response back and it was from the vice president of A&R at Island Def Jam. And he said, what I said in the message was very simple. I said, I love a lot of the artists that you're signing. I referenced uh, Gaga. This was before she was on Interscope when mm -hmm. she was with L.A. Wow. L.A. Reid. I was like, I, I love this artist. Um, I, I love Curly. I love the um, Speaker Box Love Below album that you A&R'd. Mm -hmm. The Avril Lavigne album you did is amazing. Maybe I have some songs that could work for some of your artists. And I just sent three records. Mm -hmm. And then he responded and said, actually, this is this is great. Let's schedule a meeting. Wow. Yeah. So I went in and my career went from zero to 100 in about 24 hours. Wow. So I went in and b because I had been writing every day for years, 
I had hundreds of songs. <laughs> yeah, you can't So prepared. I come in with my laptop, <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm probably going to play like five, six, ten songs at the most. Mm-hmm. He didn't skip anything. Like, w- he listened to the entire song, the bridge, the pre, the outros. Wow. Yeah. And he started pushing meetings back. And he said, hey, can, to his assistant, can you push that 2, two o'clock? Um, let's reschedule for tomorrow. Can mm. you push that 3 o'clock? And I sat there for three hours. Wow. Oh, my God. His name was Josh Sarivan, and he jump-started my entire career. And after we listened to pretty much my whole catalog, (laughs) he was like, I think I know some people around here who would like to meet you. Is it okay if we walk around and I'll introduce you to some people? Like, I've got time. I was like, yeah, what (laughs) else am I doing? (laughs) I was working at a, I was working at a burrito shop at the time, like a Mexican restaurant. And, um, where were you living? Uh, in New York. New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that you were familiar with Gaga from the local scene too? From the scene. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, from the scene. She used yeah. to play like the bitter end and a lot of those like, you know, hole in the wall spots. Right. Like she really did it the right way. Yeah. She started underground and really like cut her teeth and became one of the greatest performers just doing it for yeah. a handful of people. Yeah, that's the stuff that you don't really see now that you look at her career now. But mm-hmm. so from that meeting to MySpace, mm-hmm. what happened then? Well, no, MySpace, uh, the meeting happened because of MySpace. Oh, because your songs are on. No, because I cold, I cold messaged him. Yeah. So I found him on MySpace. Oh, found him on MySpace. That's, oh, my that's God. Wild. This so, is like the pre-LinkedIn. And like you, I DM'd him. You it. know what you I mean? You had a page as well, though? I had a page. Okay, so he saw your page DMing him. He's, yeah, he saw my page DMing him. I sent him a couple links to yeah. like stream a couple of songs. Wow. Yeah. And then that's when I went in, had the meeting. And then when he introduced me to other people on the floor, he took me to David Massey, who was the president of Mercury. David signed Shakira and like a wow. lot of huge some of the biggest artists of yeah. all time yeah. and david was like well if josh says you're amazing like we want to work with you that's so. that's really cool because uh myspace <clears throat> music for those who don't know was one of the first platforms that really gave artists like a lot of power uh in the way that they could kind of control their careers yeah. Yeah. yeah so like yeah. soundcloud pre yeah. all of that it was yeah. like it, yeah early social media and early soundcloud kind of is what it is the mm-hmm. best comparison. Connecting the artists to their actual fans yeah. without a middleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, you know, Arctic Monkeys started on sound on um MySpace music. That's mm-hmm. a, one example. But I'm reading this book right now that's talking about the blog house scene mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. a lot of it started on MySpace music. And like artists were controlling their own on sales for like their shows and like mm-hmm. selling out shows just because of MySpace. Like that was their core of their following. And because of it, it was like a huge A&R tool. Yeah, you know, but yeah, then it's kind of yeah. weird how it just it ended so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was like this little one little period of time where it was just like red hot. Yeah, yeah. and then Magical where did you kind of go after that meeting from? Well, that point after on? Uh, David Massey, he took me and introduced me to Jay Z's whole team, Tata Brown, wow. Jay Brown. That same day, they gave me a CD. This was when we were still printing CDs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> they gave me a CD with a bunch of Stargate beats on it. <laughs> and I was like, as a as a new writer, I was like, walk. It was like walking out of the room with the Pharrell tracks oh, or like yes. Timbaland tracks. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. wow, wow. Um, and then he introduced me to L.A. Reed's assistant. L.A. wasn't there at the time, but Karen Kwok, um, who's an amazing A and R as well. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, and then literally the next day, the president of Atlantic's assistant called my phone and said, we've heard about you. Do you think you could come in? Um, he'd like to meet you. Wow. <laughs> and so Amazing. it went from like no one knew any of my songs to everybody wanted a record. Yeah. You know. Well, that email Damn, that cold, that cold DM. That cold DM. Oh, that's wild. All right, I guess I guess cold DMs work. Still to this day, I believe in it, you know. Yeah. We're yeah. like we're building a company right now and like trying to raise money, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and looking into VC funds and mm -hmm. things like that. And the team was like, "Yeah, I don't know how effective cold emailing is." I was like, "I'll cold email." Yeah, you're like, "I've got I it." I got this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll Actually, I won't sh I I've I've said things in the past where it's like, "I don't think that's the right way to go about it," but you know, it doesn't hurt because someone just, I still, I still read most it of them anyway. It depends on what you say. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think all I about it's what you say. And it's because you had such a well-researched message that mm -hmm. you sent. Like you knew the work, you were really detailed about how it related to your yeah. work. Right. And that's the stuff. I used to give that advice actually as a writer, you know, in the dance music space when artists would be like, what do you say like when you pitch writers mm -hmm. like I was like you got to research the person find the person that knows your yeah. genre of music is willing to write about that genre and mm -hmm. then talk to them with the details and offer yeah. I was offering him assistance exactly they, yeah. they need records You're like I've done the work for you <laughs> yeah like like r great writers are very difficult to find yeah we're not a dime a dozen mm -hmm. like proper writers you know mm -hmm. and so it's like I want to help you. I want to help you and your artists, you know? And yeah. so if you are, you know, wanting to cold DM somebody speaking something about their catalog or I have fans who cold DM me all the time and it's like they know my catalog better than I do. <laughs> it's like, yeah. holy shit, I forgot about that record. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to get an immediate response because yes. you've been following me for 13 years. Yeah. Like, wow. Hi. Yeah, hi, how are you? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, over the years, I've I've been fortunate enough to meet and work with like so many people that I idolize and you know, the initial part, you you kind of start fanboying or fanpersoning out about like, <laughs> oh my God, that's so-and-so. But I think as time goes on, it is less of like reminding that artist of who, the, the magnitude of who they are. I, I always like to break the ice though with like saying one thing that is so specific that only they mm -hmm. and like the most hardcore devoted person to their career would under like point out. Totally. And I think that always... That's always effective. Like I'm always like, yo, yeah. remember that one show you did mm -hmm. and blah 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 when this happened? They're like, oh, dude, that was crazy night. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. it kind of breaks the ice, you know. Shows that you were paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I like. I think that's a good approach too. Like, or something that only someone who understands the the vision or the mm -hmm. the body of work yeah, can point yeah. out. Like you know? you're really here for me. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I know this about you, but I would love for you to share with people a little bit more about, you know, the songwriting career that we're talking about. It's so amazing to hear the origins of it, but you've also written for some really incredible artists that everyone knows and loves. Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber, Britney yeah. Spears, to name a few. So, I mean, we've we've heard the intro to it, but I would love to hear about when those kind of opportunities started coming to you and what that experience was like for you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so blessed and thankful for the songwriting career that I had. Mm -hmm. Because it let me see the industry from a very high level. Yeah. You know, to be able to enter the music business at the top 
yeah. is an experience that a lot of people don't get, you know. And I attribute it to my lyricism mm -hmm. because I think great lyricists with a really special perspective, that's very, very rare. Mm -hmm. So when the industry finds something like that, and think about it, hits were, that was like sort of part of the golden era of hits. Mm. We don't even have hits like that anymore. Mm. It's very difficult to have a big hit, like, and, and even a star. Think about stars in the early 2000s and even before. And, you know, we can go back to Elvis and, and how mm. all of those artists were made. But with social media and how saturated the market is, I don't think we'll ever see another star like Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, it, 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 think about trying to build a, a star like Bieber right now. Mm -hmm. Think about trying to do that right now. It's hard. With all of these artists and all of this music, what is it, 100,000 records a week? Yeah. Coming out? I don't even... Yeah, was it a day? <laughs> it's a, I, saw, I can't even remember because it's so it's many. Crazy, well, yeah. it, there is no, like, monoculture anymore, you know? Yeah. That, that's, that's why... You know, I actually kind of think that the last generation of people who were like bona fide celebrities in music were like the end of the 2010s mm -hmm. when you had like, and they're the people who can rock out those like gigantic tours now. Mm -hmm. So like Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, mm -hmm. Ariana Grande. Yeah. And it's like, that was the last, I think, wave of like when the monoculture, like your mom knows who that person mm -hmm. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, now yeah. it's going to be a little bit more subjective or it's going to be a little bit more global mm -hmm. coming from K-pop or reggaeton or yeah, like other things. Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying, we might not have that one like universally understood mm -hmm. and beloved artist and, the same way. And I, I love where music is going. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not even that I'm like wishing that we were back yeah. in the early 2000s. Um, but just to come from that experience, to catch the tail end of that mm -hmm. and to see, to learn and grow through that and then to land here where we are now and where I am now as an artist, it's so helpful. Yeah. You know, it yeah. built a lot of relationships for me. Like my Rolodex is crazy. <laughs> just, be, just because of that era, yeah. you know, and the way that I conducted my business, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm a stand-up girl. Like, yeah. you know. Well, I do think, I think that's a really unique point. Um, I mean, there's so much to be said about songwriters and their role in the music industry in general, because I feel like it's only past couple of years that I feel like the general public has started to understand mm -hmm. what a songwriter is mm -hmm. and why they're so important with like a, a Taylor Swift or an Olivia Rodrigo being really vocal about like, mm -hmm. I write my songs, you know, and yeah. people are like, oh, I didn't realize that not everyone writes just their own yeah, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but then also the part that you said about not only coming into the industry at a high level, but I feel like that's a unique place where you learn a lot about the music business Besides, like, being an artist, but you're learning about, like, oh, like, how much you own of this part of the song. And I will that. say this, though. The higher you get, the nastier it gets. Mm. Like, it's kind of it's kind of gross. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, and that's with any business. Like, yeah. any business that that's, reaches a top, top level, mm -hmm. it's like when people realize how much money is involved in something— mm -hmm. You, you start getting, like, a lot of the, oh, of course, you know, yeah. well, I'm going to need, and yeah. I did this, Everyone's and then a lawsuit here, and a lawsuit there, and then, the, 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 you know. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really treasure, like, where I am now, and that, you know, I'm in a place where, I don't know, like, when I do deals now, there's no drama. 
It's just, it's very, it's <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, there's not, it's, it's not like millions and millions of dollars that mm-hmm. we're talking about. And it's not an artist that's already developed. Mm-hmm. When you go into write for Britney, that's a, that's a layup. <laughs> you know what I mean? The artist is yeah. already developed. Yes. You already know that you're going to do X, Y, Z number of units in the first week mm. or month or however many streams. Yeah. You know, so it's the business is changing so fast because of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the labels, because they're so large, the majors have a hard time keeping up with how fast the market changes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Even with like, yeah, the TikTok stuff and the AI stuff, it's like hard for them to be Mm -hmm. like, wait, how do we contain this? How do we profit from this? Well, that made me think about when when you're saying this and I totally agree, but, um, you know, artist development has been like a big part of my career, like taking a kid from their bedroom all the way up to like making them a, you know, a touring artist. Mm -hmm. And that that's when I was brought into labels being my strong suit was artist development. It, it feels like right now, and from what I'm seeing from the label side, from the live side uh, and marketing, like it feels like true artist development is like at, like a, at a huge premium. Like it, it's very hard. Like I think a lot of people are kind of lost on how to develop artists in this mm-hmm. like landscape. Is that something that you've seen? Like it's it, it's just like a different... It's, it's totally really, it's really on the artist team now. Yeah. You know, a label is not going to develop you. They're just mm-hmm. not, you know, yeah. it, the, the, it's really about the artist spending the time. And this is like one of the things that I've been talking a lot about is, you know, a, a lot of people think it's just a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. well, I they just get caught up in the numbers. I just yeah. got to release a song a week and by in two years, I'll be huge. Mm. That, this is, this, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, sure, you, act, you actually, it's a strategy, but you actually have to have great product. Oh, yeah. You actually have to have something unique to say. Yeah. And you need to have depth. And it's like the difference between a microwavable meal and an oven roasted, slow cooked. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and if you make things that have depth and weight and mean something, they'll last forever. Yeah. yeah. I do know? feel like people, and it's interesting because I actually do think kids are much smarter or fans in general are much smarter than large entities like labels sometimes assume that they are Mm -hmm. because I think you're totally right it's like I mean right now for example we have all these hits that are like remakes of old songs and it's like yeah we're all listening to them because they're on the radio and they're everywhere because you can't escape them you can't escape them but we're all like I don't think anyone's out here being like this is amazing revolutionary music you know like kids are really into stuff that's super unique that you see people on TikTok making it and you're like whoa I've never heard the perspective of this person before because no artist has ever been like them. Mm -hmm. I do think people really appreciate that. Well, so when I first started my label, this was like right before COVID. Tell us the name of your label also, Uh, please. Thank you. 333 (laughs) Recordings. Um, So when I first started it, we were doing a lot of covers Mm. and I didn't typically do covers because I didn't have to. I, I make great original songs so I never felt like I had to really like rely on covers or remakes or anything like that but when I started running my label I realized how difficult it was to turn a profit 
especially on a dance label that's cultural driven. Mm. Um, and so I started doing um, covers as a way to generate revenue, mm. you know, and, yeah. and I did records that I loved. And actually, a lot of the covers I did, I didn't actually pick them. I let somebody else pick the covers that they wanted me to do because they uh, it, it was this guy, Fabrizio. <laughs> And he picked covers that I would never do. Poker face. I would never, I would have never done that. But it taught me a lot as a singer because there I am like emulating what Gaga's voice is. And then I'm learning, um, you know, projection and power and things that I can now even incorporate into my own, you know, singing style. I obviously don't sound like her, but to perform a record that another artist has done as a singer teaches you more as a singer. It expands your horizons because not every singer can do every song. Yeah. It's just not realistic. Yeah, definitely not. Like Bohemian Rhapsody, I would never, I I couldn't do that song necessarily Mm because that's just not the style of my voice. Yeah. You know, but with um, Poker Face and what else did I do? I I picked Heartless, the Kanye record. Mm -hmm. I really um, connected with that song. And then what else did we do? I I covered uh, James Hype's Ferrari. Okay, yeah. But it was just like when you're a record label, there's so much pressure to turn the money around. Yeah. And because you're looking at the the account and it's just like going down and going and you have to spend money to market. Nothing is free. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a dilemma in the music industry because, uh, you know, new music only accounts for like 22 to 30 percent of streaming from what I understand. And also, you know, one of the things that just came out recently is that in the United States, I think more than 50% of people are listening to non-English music, which is like a huge cultural shift for yeah, Americans. Yeah. Um, the the, the um, Latin market share doubled this year. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Three to 6%. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but I think that we're, st- I mean, we're starting to understand that that's where a lot of the actual new music's, but it's a lot of it is also derived from American traditions or like other traditions as well. So it is like an interesting Dilemma, especially, I think dance music in its core is always going to be sample-based, cover-based, mm-hmm. and referencing like something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think there's anything necessarily th- that lacks integrity about mm-hmm. that. Because, like, it's a, it's a huge component of... Well, of, it's like people want something that they relate to and that they know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, I know that song. But I feel like we're in an era where we've kind of taken it too far. (laughs) Like if I'm being honest, like I personally, I'm really tired of remakes. Like I don't want to hear anymore. I don't think you're alone in that. I don't want to hear. That's why I put a pause on the label Yeah, because the covers were generating profits. Right. We were doing well with the covers. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sitting right in my soul. Mm. Totally. Like for real, like as an artist, it was not sitting right in my soul. Like, Mm -hmm. And we were doing original records, but they weren't generating the same profits. And I was like, I'm going to pause this and recalibrate. Yeah, a little. recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And that's when I made the album. Mm. And that's when I started focusing on more original records and creating a sound. It took me a long time to make my sound. Mm-hmm. A long time. And when you listen to the album, it's all different subgenres of dance. 
Yeah. But it's very cohesive, and you can tell that the same person and the same— I have a co-producer named Nico as well. Mm -hmm. He helps me with a lot of sound design. So we spent a year just really calibrating everything. The yeah. writing was over probably six or seven years. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, I'm eager to talk and hear more about the new album and the new music, but— I was thinking about it must be such an interesting jump to go from a songwriter who you get trained into writing for other people mm -hmm. or sharing your writing with other people. And then to then, you know, I, I would assume that you hit some sort of wall where you're like, but who am I or like, what am I as an artist? Right. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of experience starts over for you. So I don't know if that is what you experienced, but can you tell us a little bit about like that. Every jump? artist goes through that. You don't get to bypass that part. <laughs> yeah. You know, every you learn artist. A lot, I assume. Yeah. Huh? You learn a lot, I would say, in that yeah, era. Yeah. Every artist has to try a bunch of different things mm -hmm. to see what feels natural, to see what f sits right with you, to see where your audience is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I started as, as a rapper. Oh my gosh! That's what? why. Wow. I, that's why I toured. Not with like Missy. me and I my was, friends okay. in my friend's studio doing Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah, how dare house. you not bring that up when we were talking about Chad's rap career? Gosh. Wait. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought that up because we did totally graze over that where you were like, "Oh yeah, I want to tour with Missy," and then uh, yeah, yeah. Totally. And I'm like, wait, that's we why, can't. Also, yeah. she did say Jay Z. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That too. And, okay, yeah. so LA so Reed, you started Le Face Records. Yeah, all that stuff. Exactly. So you started as a rapper. And which eventually brought you on tour with. I mean, Ms. I was Elliot. always singing. My father was a pastor, so I grew up in church, mm -hmm. and you know, was always doing gospel and touring. I was touring since I was like eleven. Okay, but different kind of touring. Where, where, yeah. where are you from originally? Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I grew up in a school where like it was, <laughs> it was, it was crazy. My school, like we were, we were beatboxing and pounding on the desks and like <laughs> rapping during class and <laughs> fun. on the back of the bus going to you know football games and stuff like that. So I always grew up rapping just because it was just part of the culture that was around me all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, pursued it as a career for a brief period of time. It wasn't natural to me because it was just the the rappers that I idolized and loved were like so gangster and hardcore. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's just like not who I am as a person. <laughs> but when you're influenced by that, like my rap was hardcore. Like it oh, just yeah, yeah. Like you look at this little white girl and like the stuff that was coming out of my mouth. It was like, what's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> this happened. Like I watch it now and it's so cringe. I'm like, oh no! So everyone, everyone has a bit Everybody of a phase like that. Everybody has to start somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have to not be afraid to make a fool of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the reality of being an artist anywhere. Yeah. We were talking about this in the studio yesterday. You make the best records when you're not uh, when you're comfortable with your collaborators and you're not afraid to look stupid. Mm. Yeah, this might sound crazy, but what if the chorus went like? Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's also a theme with seems like every guest that we have on the show that you just like you can't be afraid to look look a certain way or fail yeah, or fail. do anything because yeah. then you're just not gonna ever innovate, ever push mm -hmm. any boundaries or anything. 
So I tried rap. I tried rock. I had a couple rock bands in college. And um, it wasn't until I found dance music that I felt like I was home. Mm. Was there like a a record or something that you heard that really put it like aha moment so, for you? So because I grew up in the middle of nowhere, we didn't have, there was no underground like mm-hmm. where I grew up, um, you know, and dance music such a cultural genre that like if you're not in the pockets of the world where that exists, you just wouldn't be exposed to it because yeah. it wasn't on top 40 radio. Yeah, You know, um, there were times when it would pop up And I would love it and be obsessed with it Mm -hmm. and think like, oh, my God, I love this. And then when it would go away, I thought it went away. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that there was this whole, yeah, this Mm -hmm. whole culture and this whole thing that just was there all the time. And I think it wasn't until I started leaving the pop world and going over to write for DJs. And that's when I realized walking into EDC for the first time, realizing that these are my people, (laughs) you know? Like, because I had purple hair already. Mm. Like, I Mm -hmm. already was doing purple hair. So to walk into EDC and see green hair, pink hair, I was just like, (laughs) 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 you know? And so it was, was, that was such a defining moment for me as an artist to feel like, it's it's the same when you travel sometimes. You know when you travel and you land in a city and you feel like you're home, but it's your first time you've ever been mm-hmm. there? That's how it was, like, entering festivals and, like, my first rave. I'll never forget my first rave here Tell in us LA. about your first rave. It was Reed Speed. Oh, yes. Yeah, Legend. back in the day, and she was playing some dirty-ass warehouse, <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> I just, it was, you know, it was nothing fancy, but it was so well done from an artistic perspective, just the way they did the lighting, and mm-hmm. they had a bunch of neon stuff going on, and the crowd was amazing. I went by myself, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, showed up at this warehouse all alone. <laughs> Yeah, all alone. And, um, you know, people were coming up to me. Hey, what's your name? I like your hair. Like, who are you? And so it was such an inviting community. And it's still like that. Yeah. It's really still like that. Totally. I I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the culture are the fans. Mm -hmm. I feel like that must have been so refreshing coming from having worked in the pop space oh, and you, you have start- no idea yeah, and you were mentioning that like you, you know, have the higher you no go no idea more, how yeah. toxic of a world that mm. i was in and well, tell, to- yeah, tell us more because i'm so curious you know it's one thing i always find that so interesting right it's like on people's resumes or their bios or something it's like the big names are what people pay attention to because mm-hmm. we all know the pop names and we all know those stars but then it always works out that way where people are like, it wasn't as nice as it seemed. It might have looked yeah. really shiny and squeaky and amazing, but it's never like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, tell us a little bit about, I mean, don't feel the need to go into the dirty if you don't want, like, I, no, I get No, I'll that, just but. give an overview of, like, what that's like and and why a lot of people yeah. move out of it. Yeah. Um Especially as a songwriter. Yeah. Songwriters are very marginalized mm. in in the music industry. Um, and we're not very organized. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the writer's strike and SAG just went on strike yeah. and they they are so organized and we don't really have that. Mm. And so it's sort of like every man and woman for themselves yeah. as a writer. Um, I don't, a lot of people don't know this. You don't have to sign anything for one of your records to come out. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have to sign anything. Mm. So like there have been records where I've written and I'll, somebody will send me a picture of the cover. Listening on Spotify to your record, I didn't even know that was out. Who put Whoa. that? Who put that out? Who recorded? Like no one communicates Whoa. with yeah. writers. Yeah. And you know, forget about communication. We can even just talk about pay. Wasn't this like a? Sorry, just this made me think of like a really notorious case with Kesha and Flo Rida. When she was doing the chorus on "You Spin mm-hmm. Me Around" or whatever, mm-hmm. but like I guess she had wasn't really she was like paid nothing essentially for that, yeah. and yeah, it's just it like this stuff the can time. just happen. Yeah, and then also people the signing a pub deal like way too early, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. this. I mean, these oh, are things yeah. that people always advise there's, against. There's you know, so many like cringe things that people say to me in this business that I just. You have to like take deep breaths sometimes. <laughs> like I was in a in a room the other day with somebody who was like, "Yeah, we signed blah blah blah. She's a huge writer now. Yeah, we got her for twenty five thousand. And like saying that like ooh, it's a good thing. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, saying that like it. And now I'm looking at you like, ooh, ew. okay, yeah. I know who you are. Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. Here. Yeah, and like yeah. even at the time, that writer was worth more than that. Of course, yeah. And the fact that that person didn't understand their value or see their value, it 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 can in this business, it can take. 10 years to understand your value. That's how yeah. it was if for me. If you're lucky, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's you how, might not even figure it out. That's how it was for me because you can have a record that comes out, right? If we put a record out today, it's going to take at least three to six months for the label to see any any mechanicals or master royalties mm-hmm. on the sound recording. Mm-hmm. Publishing income on the writing side for copyright, publishing copyrights will take one to two years to turn around. Mm. So just because you have a release, you're not going to see money in your account for months and years. If you're an art, if you're yeah. a writer, it's going to be years. Mm-hmm. So you don't really understand what's happening financially with these records until you feel it in your bank account, until you actually see the money coming in. Mm-hmm. And then you see... Then you see the label buying a new office, mm-hmm. and then you see your <laughs> then you see your 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 collaborators buying Lamborghinis, and you see people <laughs> building houses. You're like, wait a minute, and you're like, but that was my I gave you that record, yeah, and I'm looking at what I have, and I'm looking at what you have, and it is not the same. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this because uh, I read this article about Astrid uh, Gilberto, who just like passed away recently, and she sang "The Girl from Ipanema," very, very well known, obviously, um, song. Yeah, yeah, and Brazilian bossa nova jazz artist. Anyway, that song is like, even though she's, it's a duet, it's like very much her voice. Mm-hmm. And Stan Getz apparently went super hard on making sure that she didn't get like anything more than like a very very base rate for just the recording Mm. and up until like the end of her life which she recently passed away she had not received like a a, even a fraction of like 
you know, the millions and millions and millions of dollars that were generated wow. by that it's one song. It's more common than you can ever imagine. It Definitely, is more yeah. common, mm-hmm. especially for singers in the dance world. Yeah. Singers in the dance world are not paid nearly enough. The master royalties, if they get any master royalties, are very minimal compared to what the DJ, producer, artist is making. Mm. A lot of times they'll write the whole song and they're just given a feature credit as though it's an they're an afterthought, mm-hmm. you know. And that's one of the things that I really strive to change mm-hmm. about the dance world. It's one of the reasons that there are no features on my album. My, I've had, what, 65, 75 records released. Th- there's so many features. Mm-hmm. There's so many collabs. Mm-hmm. Like, I've collabed till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I'm like, let me have a moment to stand completely on my own yeah, so that people can see and hear exactly who I am. Mm. And then once I once the album rolls out, the deluxe is actually where the collabs come in. Mm. So the deluxe is all the features and collabs with other people. Um, but I really needed this moment. I, yeah. I need this moment to stand on my own and have my own records. Yeah. Well, I'd also love for you to take this moment to also share with people because, I mean, having known you, I know how your voice and your artistry has played a part in some really iconic songs in dance music, not even talking about the pop side. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people might not know that. So, you know, one song that comes to mind is is Porter Robinson's Language, which I think for a lot of people is like so easy to recall. It was like a moment of, mm-hmm. you know, that time, an anthem of that time, I should say. And you are the vocal mm-hmm. on that song. Yeah. And I'm there's so many more also. So you said that you started taking a or you you chose to kind of move to the dance side mm-hmm. after working Yeah, in that pop. was a choice. Yeah, yeah, so can you talk about like that early kind of era of you Yeah, around what time was that? It was about 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People thought I was crazy. People <laughs> thought I had lost my mind because every pop artist wanted to work with me. I, you know, I had just flown. Beyonce was the last pop artist I worked with. Oh, Incredible. Wow. Yeah. and Went we, out with a bang. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, so it, and right. what did you work? I almost didn't do it. What I did you work on with Beyonce? So, uh, so I, worked on, I worked on the four album with her. So mm-hmm. we didn't have anything that was released together, but mm-hmm. we have records that we've written together. Amazing. Yeah. Um, one record that I wrote while I was with her, we didn't write it together, but I wrote during that two weeks that we spent together was Heart of Steel mm-hmm. that I did with Raiden. Mm-hmm. That was written for her in blue. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, it was written yeah. about uh, the love of a mother uh, with her child. Mm. That's that's nice. Yeah. So, okay, so you were at the top of your game, obviously, on the pop side. Yeah. And then you made this but crazy I wasn't, decision. But I wasn't happy. Yeah. So I was making good money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a very glamorous life. It was, you know, first-class flights and five-star hotels and Miss Bright, what can we get you? And, (laughs) you know, yeah. but I just, I wasn't happy in a factory. Mm. I I felt like I was in a factory just like writing a song every day. How much inspiration can you possibly have? We need to get you out of the factory and into the warehouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So it, it was, the transition was 
quite easy mm. because all of the DJs at the time wanted to cross over into the pop world. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was trying to cross over into the dance world. Mm-hmm. So my first sessions were Cascade, Swedish House Mafia. Well, Steve Angelo, mm-hmm. um, Laid Back Luke was one of my first sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of the most amazing classic dance artists of all time that mm-hmm. you can think about yeah. i i started with when i transitioned over yeah but that was exactly the time when pipple and neo and jason derulo mm-hmm. and gaga and all this stuff they were also crossing over yep and, they were uh, doing dance records as well yeah so it was like mm-hmm. right right at that time it was the very beginning of that edm wave where mm-hmm. when when um pop artists start to tap into dance that's the beginning of a wave. A wave can't happen with one person. Yeah. Yeah. A wave can't happen with one artist. It's when a bunch of people start doing a same or similar thing. Yeah. And then you can't stop a wave. It was a really cool symbiotic moment, you know, because I was there for that. And um, there's a lot of artists who were like in the underground or had been in the scene for forever. Mm-hmm. And they were finally getting their recognition. Like one person who comes to mind is TJR. Mm-hmm. And he had been a oh, DJ yeah. forever. Yeah. and. You know, we had booked him at the show that I did with my friend Reg um, at the Standard. He, he showed up at, at the Standard Purple Lounge in West Hollywood. And everyone's like, oh, TJ's such a great guy. You know, it sucks. Like, it never really, it hasn't really popped off for him. Mm. He's so talented. And then a couple of weeks later, he had a number one on Beatport. It was that record that, uh, that Pipple then picked up. Mm-hmm. And TJR is <laughs> headlining everything. And yeah. then, you know, but, and got a, you know, writing credit for this, this Pipple featured featuring, you know, Pibble featuring TJR. It was amazing. It was just like, wow, this stuff is just now people are finally getting from the dance side yeah, the recognition. Yeah, so it was yeah. it was both they cross-pollinating. They were holding hands. Yeah. They yeah. were holding hands. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about it. I think yeah. we're going to see that again soon. Yeah? I really believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think dance music, we're, we're entering a techno wave, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I love seeing it. I love watching, like, techno really lighting up the underground. Mm-hmm. It was Tech House a while ago. Oh, yeah. And yeah. now it's just all techno. Yes. And it's, re- it's really cool to watch that happening. But techno isn't really vocal driven, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the point of techno. It's like yeah. you you give them that beat for so long and you withhold the vocal, you withhold the vocal. Mm-hmm. It's like edging the crowd, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then when you finally drop that vocal, in, it's like, ah. I mean, that's why yeah. Tale of Us and like their whole thing is so huge. That's mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> and I love melodic techno. Yeah. I really love it. Um, but I think that after the techno wave, happens i think we're gonna see a trance wave mm. and trance we're starting to hear it right the calvin harris mm-hmm. exactly. song we exactly. talked about that a while ago i have a question actually now that we're on it because i this has been i've been it. thinking about it the whole time so <laughs> you know i've i've been you know, i hear hundreds and hundreds of dj sets that are more like in like the in in this i, I wouldn't say mainstream but like it a lot of the DJs that play Brownies and Lemonade and that I hear, they take older anthemic music like EDM, like a Swedish House Mafia, and they'll put it on like a crazy bass drop or something or some, you know, a lot of edits are really popular, you know, edit, edit, oh, yeah, edit yeah, culture yeah. Oh, has yeah. been at an all time. You got to have edits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about edits. It's mm-hmm. just like your song. You got to put a hot record that everyone knows the words to on your song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm always like, you know, why are all these the top line and, and like these anthems, why are they like five, six years old, like 10 years old? Why is it nothing that just came out recently? Mm-hmm, Usually mm-hmm. it'll be a rap song. Like, um, 
you'll get like a baby Keem or like you'll get a Kendrick thing that like mm-hmm. people know. But more recently, I think we're starting to finally get some anthems again mm-hmm. in dance music. But mm-hmm. did, do you think that mm-hmm. we were kind of without them the last couple of years Absolutely. as much? Absolutely. But you know why? Yeah. Because the market is way more saturated. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have that much product, the marketing costs are skyrocketing. Yeah. Marketing has skyrocketed and it's uh, artists on a cultural level can't compete yeah. with the the kind of budgets that you need to have a hit. That's why I was saying we don't really see hits the same way anymore because mm. it's astronomical. The cost to how do I if I release a record, how do I get eyes and ears on it? I have to spend money, even if we're talking, you know, playlisters and playlisting like there's events that labels are hosting. There's, you know, gifts that are being bought. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's a whole thing. And, you know, nothing is free. Literally nothing is free. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have a hit, but you got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And you can spend a lot of money and you can lose really hard, too, if you don't have the right product. Yeah. I think that the streaming numbers indicated, from at least from where I'm, I, I'm sitting, like I think a lot of people were adverse to investing in anything dance music, you know, except mm-hmm. if it was your Swedish House Mafia. Mm-hmm. But even Swedish House Mafia came back with, let's be honest, a little bit more of an experimental concept record mm-hmm. with their most recent release. Yeah, it yeah, did yeah. not have... Any of like the I love what they've been doing though. I love the sound design of what they've they've been doing, and I really appreciate the artists who you know had their glory days in EDM and were were cornerstones of that era coming back and now giving us cultural shit again. Totally, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing to do because I feel like there's definitely artists out there that don't. And staying true to it, staying true to where you started and always coming back to the roots. Calvin Mm -hmm. does that. Mm -hmm. Um, Geta does that. Mm -hmm. There's certain, you know, cornerstone DJs in our world that they will always come back to the culture. Well, it's Mm -hmm. funny because like one of the songs I'm referencing as a new anthem was the KX5 Dead Mouse Cascade, uh, that song Escape. Dude. I'm just like, dude. dude, this is like a this is an yeah. anthem. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, now yeah. you start hearing those kids that I mentioned putting that song in their sets, putting their edits on that, the new John Summit song. But um, I'd love to know even like how much they spent to market that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you totally. know what I mean? Like these are questions that I have when I see records <laughs> yeah. popping well, off. Something I'm that, like, I wonder. Mm, yeah, well, know? something that they did that was smart on that record in particular is they got John Summit to remix it. They got Subtronics to remix mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. They got individual artists in their own lanes to bring it to their side of the the culture right right, right. because it is it is fragmented it is like very separated so it's Mm -hmm. like hey at lost lands you're gonna hear this song Mm -hmm. it's gonna be on subtronics subtronics is said but you've just exposed it to a whole side of the the scene that probably thought it was a little too cheesy for them Mm -hmm. but now they're like hey i like it this song kind of slaps when subtronics (laughs) is remixed. so i think that also played a huge part in that particular record but you know i don't think there's any formula for for this stuff anymore. I there's think. not. There's <laughs> not. And, when, and, when, and the second you think you figured yeah, it yeah, out, it's the market shifts mm-hmm. and good luck. And TikTok <laughs> changed that algorithm yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as somebody who's running a dance label right now, I feel like I'm constantly in Vegas. Like, all right, Red 32. <laughs> Just gambling. Yeah, exactly. You know, let's yeah. try this. Let's try that. Yeah. 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 You know, that's yeah. But it, but that's part of the fun of it is like figuring it out. And and really all it comes down to 
is finding your audience. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of music you make. If it's good, if it's a good product, there is a, there's an audience for anybody. There's an audience for every artist. You just have to find them. Mm -hmm. And once you find them, that's that sweet spot Mm because you got your core and it's much easier to market then. You just create a bunch of lookalike audiences and you grow and you grow and then you move to other countries and you move to different tiers Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, you expand that way. But, you know, finding your audience can be costly. Yeah. And you have to test certain things. Well, it didn't work out with that audience. What we're finding with uh, after parties, surprisingly, is that Porter Robinson audience is loving after party. Do they? Yeah. That's, well, yeah. Tell us about after party. For those who don't know, new single. Yeah. That came out after party is the first single yeah. off the new album. Yeah. It's very a, fun. Yeah, yeah thank Super you. Fun. Thank you. It's a it's just a cultural like warehouse after hours type party, <laughs> but with also with pop sensibilities about it too. Mm-hmm. It's like because I grew up on top 40 music. Mm. It's like that sen- that pop sensibility will always be in everything that I do. Even if it's a cultural record, when it goes off, you're still going to be singing it when you're walking down the street. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. It, it's just like I can't erase that from that's just like part of who I am. Yeah. Um, so After Party is not what you think it is. In the beginning, you start listening to it and you're like, oh, I think I got this figured out. Mm-hmm. Second drop hits. Oh, OK. <laughs> then that's then the third section comes in and the kick switches up with that. Doom, 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 <laughs> doom, doom. And it's like, oh, my yeah. favorite part about playing that. It goes off live every time. Every show that record goes off, yeah, whether people know it or they don't. And every show I play, I can see the Shazams going up. Mm. Of like, that's people, cool. I love the I shameless Shazam. Of, the, I'm always the person. Yeah, me that's too. Shamelessly I was really, like, I always got the screen. You see, down. People, I know people are like sometimes hiding <laughs> it. They're like holding it to their like. No, nope, I'm like, I'm like, who is this? I'm like, hello. <laughs> tell me the song. No, that's yeah. great. And it's kind of funny actually that you describe the song being unpredictable because I kind of feel like. That's Porter Robinson's vibe nowadays. That's he's true. really unpredictable. Yeah. He's like gonna throw out some like really crazy fast stuff and then he'll play his like sad boy emo mm-hmm. feely music. But the his fans and, are like we're down and I am way. so in love with the direction that he took his career mm-hmm. because he could have easily folded into the the DJ yeah. circuit. You know, he, yeah, he was really think about his first records. Think say, about yeah. his records before language and before uh, you know his his whole career like really catapulted. Those records were hard, yes, and yeah. cultural, <laughs> and like they were cool. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when he first started doing the more live stuff, I was like, hmm, I wonder how this is gonna play out. And then the the first tour and the second tour and the way it grew and developed, I was like, this is truly beautiful yeah and like really cool and unique but i think he did exactly what you're saying because you say you know finding your audience is Mm -hmm. probably the most important thing and also probably the hardest thing i think is an artist because it takes being so vulnerable that like it will really hurt if people don't react to it the way you want them to but that's what paid off for him right it's like Mm -hmm. he was like i'm really gonna like say all my feelings and like be really vulnerable and play my music live but it worked because I think his fans literally are in it for life now. Yeah, you yeah. got to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You got to be uncomfortable with where you're at, at least in some respect. Mm-hmm. You know, musically, go a little bit further than you would normally go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you the know? departure from 
you know, the complexro kind of stuff he was making to then, you know, you know his Say My Name, big mm-hmm. song for yeah, him. But yeah, then yeah. when That's World... That's one of my favorites. It's an all-time <laughs> slap. Uh, he also slap. did the Spitfire EP. That was the first release yeah. on Ausla, uh in 2011. Um, but yeah, like when Worlds came out, you got to think when we talk about you can't be afraid of like looking kind of foolish because mm-hmm. you got to admit, I mean, that's a crazy departure yeah. uh, musically and mm-hmm. sonically. It ended up inspiring an entire generation of artists. Like it's literally true. there are thousands of artists who can name that record as pretty much inspiration. an inspiration yeah. for their career. And then there was, from what I've seen from the outside, seems like a lull when you try to get to that next cycle, you kind of hit this low and he admitted it himself because he had taken some time off. What, how do you follow up worlds? Yeah, and the way that yeah. he did that as well, I think, has been remarkable. The with virtual nurture. self stuff was crazy, and that was like that bridge, you know. Yeah. And um, I honestly think Ghost Voices that song is, uh, I still think to this day one of the best dance records of the last mm-hmm. ten years. Yeah, Virtual Self, you remember that song? I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just I always come back to that song. Yeah. So the did fact that in a side project the, he can make that, you know, it's, did you hear the record on the last song on Skrillex's new album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they did together. Yeah. that's my favorite song. And on it's that not, album. I thought that one was really unique because it mm-hmm. sounds so obviously them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you can tell even if you had played it for someone and didn't tell them who it was. It you'd feels be like, like I think them. this kind of sounds like Porter Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? yeah. And it it has another. It has that quality. I've just people in my life have said that it just it it makes them really emotional mm-hmm. because it just reminds you of like having your arms around your friends at the rave, <laughs> yeah, you know? which yeah, like yeah. doesn't matter how old you are, you'll always remember that experience. That's what the anthems you know? feel like, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. dance music anthems. You have like to have the emotion. Grab your friends and cry. <laughs> you have to have emotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how many people have cried to language. So many people. You know what I mean? I'll drop that record and like see people. You could just see people going back in memory lane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that everyone listening to this has at least had a tear well up listening (laughs) to you singing on that song. Tell us about that though. Like, have you had any interactions with someone who talked to you about that song or? All the time. Yeah. 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 All the time. People, I get so many messages where people say, you are what got me into dance music. And it's always from a different record. Hmm. It'll be How You Love Me or Language or the Zed's Dead record. Or Mm -hmm. it's always like something random. And I'm just like, oh, I wonder what record it'll be next message, you know. (laughs) But those kind of messages are so, like, inspiring to me. So much of my new album is inspired by the fans. Mm -hmm of dance music because that's what lifts me up mm-hmm. that's what the the fans are literally why this album exists at all because i wanted to quit like mm-hmm. i wanted to throw the towel in i bitch i was looking at law schools <laughs> like that's where <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah yeah that's where i was you weren't the only one <laughs> yeah i was like man i don't know about this music yeah, industry yeah. thing not like, you're definitely not alone in that lawyers sure. are making all the money maybe yeah. I- <laughs> you're like i've learned enough about the music business at this point like let me just do it myself totally <laughs> yeah. yeah so but it was really like the fans and their constant messages and just saying like like you and your records were my childhood mm-hmm. or like my youth and I listen to you every day. And this is 10 years later. I know. 
And it speaks volumes to what it means to make classic music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, not trendy. Music with depth and that means something, mm-hmm. that has emotion behind it, that yeah. people can connect to. And I think that's what I love most about being a writer is that I can write a record about one thing and it's about it's about my story. Totally. But you can listen to the same record mm-hmm. and to you it's about a totally different thing. Absolutely. And you mm-hmm. you attach your own story and your own emotions to it. And when you can do that with a world full of people, you'll have a career for the rest of your life. That's super well put. Yeah. I because yeah. I had mentioned this on a episode that we recorded the other day about how I feel like the the spot of the influx of music and self-distribution on Spotify really hurt a lot of electronic music mm-hmm. artists because they thought oh man, I need top line. I need like verse, chorus, verse structure, you mm-hmm. know? And then like, it's like, but that maybe it wasn't what your music was, like it wasn't intended that way, mm-hmm. you know? So like, why do you have to change mm-hmm. just because that's where all the streams are yeah, going? Yeah, 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 And I think people are kind of coming back a little bit more to being like, no, like electronic music is kind of its own thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't have to be competitive with Taylor Swift or with, you know, any of the people who are on your trending yeah, Spotify yeah, charts. Yeah. It can, te- that's why techno is big because it's just techno. It's just like, mm-hmm. I just want to see a DJ play vibes and sweat mm-hmm. and just like dark room and yep. and that's okay. Yep. You know, it doesn't need to have, but then also there can be anthems also and there can be the things that we all know. There can't be Taylor Swift over you just <laughs> clearly have, you at Coachella Bay Stage. You have to focus on different things to make a career out of certain genres. You know what I mean? Techno is difficult to stream. Yeah. yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. When you have when you have a two minute intro. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> totally. It's made to DJ. The That's skip for sure. rate on yeah. those. Like I, I know because we're we're making uh I have a a double-sided single that's coming out next is called Cruel Intentions. Yeah. The original is a great streaming record. It's mm-hmm. probably going to kill at streaming. But I tested it on the dance floor. It just doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work sonically for the dance floor. So I, for my shows, I made a techno, melodic techno leaning mm. um, version of it. And it goes off. It works really well. So I we're know. still going to release it on streaming you'll still be able to go on spotify but it's not we're not going to playlist pitch it mm-hmm. you know it'll be the original that gets the pitching yeah um but if you are doing that kind of music you know you're focusing more on shows and building you know uh, you're looking at different avenues yeah it's really cool that you can identify that though like mm-hmm. the differences between the two Mm-hmm. Like, you have and, to be able to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's really important, and especially if you want to run a label. Yeah. You know, I think that's why so many labels stick to their one genre. You know, they, they yeah. do their one thing, they and they do out, it really like, well, it. <laughs> and they're like, that's enough. Okay, yeah. we've cracked the code. Yeah. Um, but I really love what labels like Revealed is doing right now. I've been paying attention to a lot of their new releases. Mm. It's kind of all over the place. And I'm like, yes. Like, yeah. I love seeing that. Yeah. I yeah. love seeing, you know, labels just now starting to take chances. And I think that was, for me personally, like, you know, in a bygone era of like where I felt like the r- labels who were doing that had really good success rates. Like, one thing that comes to mind is when Mad Decent did Jeffries. 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of just like a grab bag of like the coolest individual records that they just got. And then like Bauer Harlem Shake just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, you yeah. know, these records were just popping off. There was mm-hmm. no continuity between them, music, like, you know, sonically or production wise. But they were just like, hey, we like it. It's free. Download yeah. it. Yeah, and they're like, we like yeah. it. Maybe someone out there will also like it, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now where you've seen it kind of evolved as like, you know, they have higher ground. And it, it like you were saying, they do like something really well. Like they've stuck. To, but I, I think it's kind of going back to the Jeffries thing now where it's mm-hmm. like, I just like this. Let's just put it out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, th- yeah. I see a lot more labels doing that now because mm-hmm. they're just like, I, don't know, I just want to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I feel like it's a blessing and a curse to go viral. It's both, you know, because you skyrocket a record so quickly and you have so much attention so quickly. But it's always a bit of a red flag to me whenever I have something that shoots to the top because Mm. they never last. Mm. It shoots to the top. And, you know, in my personal experience, it just it. You'll see, you you could look at it in the charts or in the data. It shoots up and then shoom. Mm. Yeah. But the my biggest records, the, the the records that everyone knows me for, those records started out not doing much at all. Yeah, slow burn. Yeah, those records started out like mm, we don't we don't know yet. <laughs> A month in, two months in, well, it's showing like. Some signs, but like we still don't like really know what's going to happen. And then my biggest dance records, and this is very rare for dance dance music in general. My biggest records peaked in in uh, on year one, mm-hmm. twelve months later. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Most dance records don't even last twelve months. <laughs> it's like yeah. th- you know the yes. cycle is like three to four months. And all right, well that was nice. Let's go to the next mm-hmm. one. And all of the biggest songs were like peaking at radio or on streaming in month 12 or even with like How You Love Me. That record peaked at radio a year and a half later. Wow. A year and a half. But but that's because Blau was a new artist. Mm. So you, you have to think about what level the artist is at, what kind of hit you have, how much money you have. Yeah. What's the marketing budget look like? How much are you going to really have to spend to lift this artist and this project off the ground? Or something gets synced. Yeah. You know, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. happens a lot. I don't know if that's ever happened for you, but... Um, I've never had a hit off of a sync. Yeah. Um, One example that came to mind was like MIA released Paper Planes. Oh, yeah. And that was in yeah, the Pineapple yeah, yeah. Express. Express trailer. Oh, yeah. That must be one of the most synced records uh, yeah. ever. Just the gunshots. It's just yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, the yeah, gunshot yeah. song. Yeah, I know that. And what an edgy song. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But it fit perfectly for that campaign, for that movie. And I was already on, like, Kala was like one of my favorite albums, but it was like a year prior mm, that yeah. album came out. Yeah. Um, See, that's like a testament to just make make the weird music, make the unique thing that no one's ever heard mm-hmm. before because someday there will be a very specific <laughs> moment where people are smoking weed oh, yeah. and they need this cool, weird, edgy song. Oh, yeah. And then it becomes the go-to for you, any weird, cool... <laughs> you know, like uh, um, my Zed's Dead record came out of nowhere mm. recently. Okay. There's always, like, when you write and you have a big catalog of mm-hmm. work, there's always records that come up Ten years later, you know, I'm sure we could fast forward ten years from now and have the same conversation, yeah. and I can say a whole bunch of other records that will have been like twenty years ago. <laughs> but yeah, that record was done almost ten years ago, 
And I started getting checks. Like, I get checks <laughs> from that anyway, but they're minimal. More and, noticeable yeah, ones. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. So then I go to Spotify, and it's like number two. Really? On the, yeah, my like number two most popular record. Do you know where the resurgence is coming no from? no idea. Yeah. If so anyone knows, shoot me. I, gotta, I feel like it's got to be like you look on TikTok, like some, yeah. someone's doing totally something. Because that's like that. a huge thing there where it like they're totally, making the old songs popular mm-hmm. again and some kid is like... I don't know, dancing to it. The Bieber record came back recently. Mm. Well, this was probably two years ago. Somebody to Love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so TikTok, there was like, my um, best friend is an influencer manager, so he's always on TikTok. he does all things. He's like, you know your song's everywhere on TikTok right now, so he sends me a link, and it's like, it's like 100,000 videos were made off of the song, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how... Good or bad or uh, I guess either uh, or neither <laughs> this is for music because we're not getting as many like current hits like that summer anthem that like everyone knows. But who knows? Maybe in ten years we'll get those yeah, 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 that yeah, song yeah. from twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. but, here, but here's the thing about going viral, right? If you look at a lot of these songs that are doing really well on TikTok. A lot of them aren't translating into streaming. Oh, yeah. yes. Like, yeah. you have yeah. a song that does huge numbers on TikTok, and then you go look at the streams, and it's like 5 million streams. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't always... Well, there's definitely that even the trend of, like, the big artists that were not well-known before their TikTok hit, and then you'd see, like, the crowds would come, they'd sing the one little That's chorus what line, I was about and then they to wouldn't say. know the rest of the song. Mm-hmm. And I was like... That must be such a bizarre experience. And they go crazy for the 30 seconds that that TikTok was. Can and you then, imagine how weird that would be yeah, as an artist? You're that, like, wait, you didn't even feels, listen to the rest of the song. That feels awkward to me. Oh, so awkward. Yeah. yeah, so yeah I think it for me, it hit an all-time high when that um, Dua Lipa, Elton John, Pinal remix was like popping. Yeah. Because it was like, wow, this is a duet cover reimagining remix <laughs> that's like crushing that and it's two minutes like long like, What's happening here? <laughs> and it's literally just the verses just like repeated again with the chorus and yeah i mean it that song is incredible but it's just like yeah. this is where we are now and, and again it's not sure. better or worse it's just different it's just you know different, it's just yeah. a yeah, different because yeah, yeah, yeah. like there's plenty of there's plenty of yeah like short remixes i'm sure back in the day we can recall this is not anything new but it's just the way that it is now but it's we when like something to, starts trending yeah and yeah we becoming like, a thing totally totally yeah. it, i i always again i'm never really that critical about where we are mm-hmm. because it's just like these are just the tools at our disposal yeah yeah i mean if you have is. that mindset where you're like oh so much better I, I just think that that is injected with your own personal emotion. Totally. It's not like a real. Totally. And that's why actually I really appreciate. I mean, I feel like we could sit here for yeah. another three hours and talk to you about not only your <laughs> career, but just music in general. Because I appreciate you have so much insight. And I actually think that's a really amazing thing is that you've seen it all. And I feel like you've seen the dark sides, the bright sides, and also mm-hmm. like everything in between. But you still have such like an excitement for what you're doing, the music you're making, mm-hmm. and how it can be different and new. And also just like welcoming whatever comes your way, which well, is really nice, honestly. That's because I've healed. Yeah. You yes. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there was a time when I was really bitter. 
yeah about the industry and i wasn't in a good place and i would say things like yeah they don't make the records like they used to <laughs> you know yeah yep. like I, and I have recently had yep. this conversation yeah, there's some truth I, to that too i right? used to <laughs> yeah. be in that place yeah. and you know i've spent gosh like four five six years just really focusing on processing the trauma that has happened to me mm-hmm. in this business um making things right with people yeah. you know I, t- I talked about earlier how there were a lot of records where i just wasn't paid and mm-hmm. if i was it was nothing near what everyone else made and all of those people i picked up the phone and i said this is how I've been feeling for ten years. Oh my God! I picked Good up for phone. you. You know how much you know how much courage that. Yes. <laughs> it was so. It was a. It was years that I knew that I had to do that. Wow. But I was so afraid to have those conversations, and you know what happened? One person after the next person after the next person did right by me. That's amazing. And I was not expecting that. I was expecting people to slam the door in my face because we're talking about legality. Yes. I signed it. And legality and money. Two very difficult things. Yeah, legality and money. I signed it. I didn't know what I was signing at the time. And my team at the time only saw me as a songwriter. Right. So you can only imagine what those deals looked like. They were, so I look at them now and they're they're some of the worst deals I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I just picked up the phone and I just went straight to the artist and my collaborators. I didn't want to feel like that about the people that I've worked with. I wanted to feel like this is a great person and I'm honored and I'm so thankful that we have our song babies together. Yes, yes, <laughs> You yes, know, yes. I yeah. want to feel yeah. good about the people that I work with. So, yeah, one by one, I picked up the phone and said how I felt. Wow. And That's that, amazing. That was, the, that was really the part of my healing that was the most impactful. Yeah. And after that, realizing that we were all kind of kids, mm-hmm. you know, and we were all just getting into the business and hearing other collaborators and artists saying, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that the deal was that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I didn't, we don't even, we didn't even know what master royalties mm-hmm. were back then. We totally. had no idea. Yeah. And so, you know, some of them saying, what do you need? Just tell me what you need and we'll wow. get it done. Or, or saying, let me put you in touch with my team and we'll figure something out so it doesn't sting. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so great. I mean, yeah, just goes to the show. I mean, that's incredible to like have that story. And I can only imagine like bringing that energy into your new music. Mm-hmm. Hence the name of the album, yeah, New, Dawn. New Dawn. Feels like a reemergence of sorts, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, tell us about it. Um, it's somebody last week called it a comeback. I was like, it's not a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> it's, it's not a comeback. It's a rebirth. Rebirth. Yes, exactly. It is that's, a rebirth. that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, rebirth, I'm on my, I'm, yes. I'm in my butterfly era. I love yes. that. You know I feel I mean? that. Yeah. 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 And I feel like I'm finally in a place where the industry is starting to really appreciate what I brought to the table over the last 10 years with the records and the songwriting mm. and and then now hearing what I'm doing as a producer now. Yeah. I think people are just starting to be like, okay, yeah. you know, yeah. you know you, I see you. No, you really are 
I, I can I can already just get a sense from talking to you, like yeah. how detail oriented you are and how much you understand. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. So and that's really important. I'm in a really good place and it's really refreshing to have people that I've cut. You know how long I would walk into meetings about signing a deal or doing a record deal and people say, well, why aren't you why aren't all these people you collaborated with helping you? Mm. Why? Where are these where are these big names that you've been working with? Where are they when you're doing your project? Mm. And I, I never, you know, put too much weight into that because all of those situations were not right for me anyway. Those yeah. labels were not right for me. But you know what it was? I needed to develop. Mm. I needed to develop as an artist. Yeah. And I didn't quite know who I was because I was writing everybody else's records. Mm -hmm. I was writing your record, not my record. Yeah. And now that I've written my album and I've produced my album and I know exactly who I am as an artist, I know exactly who I am. Now, all of those guys are like, what you need? Yeah. I got you. What you and you need. did it right because that's exactly how it's supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really refreshing. Like I was telling you yesterday, um, like Hardwell mixed and mastered a song for the album. That's right. Like what? Yeah. Who you've worked with in the past and like how full circle is that? Yeah, right? I was having trouble. The, the way that that came about was so cool too because I was having trouble with the mix master. Mm. It was the only record on the album that we couldn't nail. Which one was it? Uh, Bound. Mm hmm and it's a big festival record. It's like a big main stage record. Mm -hmm. And the mix just was not coming out the way I needed it to hit. And I was like, if anybody knows the solution, it would be Hardwell. <laughs> so I hit Robert up and I just sent him the record and I said, I, I want to get your advice on this. I'm really having trouble nailing this mix master. Do you have any advice for me on this or maybe know somebody who could nail it? And then also, here's a record that didn't make the album, but it's still a really dope top line. If you like it and you wanted it, it's 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 yours. Mm -hmm. And I woke up to like a text message, a WhatsApp, an email. <laughs> the excitement was All there. <laughs> yeah. Every and he, he was like, oh, my God, I love what you just sent. I would love it. He was like, it's so weird. The <laughs> the top line that you sent is the same BPM and like just one key off of oh, what wow. uh, of the intro for my new show. I was going to premiere it at Ultra Miami. What do you think about me putting your vocal on it? And then I heard the um, rough that he put together. I was like, this is weird. That, <laughs> You're like, that something it, in my brain just yeah, knew. That it goes so perfectly together. Wow. That's right. really rare that you send something out and yeah. it was just like, let me just put this on top of here. Yeah. And it just marries like so piece, well yeah. together. And um, and then he was like, I'd be happy to mix and master bound for you. And then I was like, I, I, you know, <laughs> and then he's so, he's he makes me sick, yo. He really <laughs> does. Like because I've been producing what, like six or seven years now. He's been producing since he was like 12 years old, 11 <laughs> yeah. years old, I think. And so when you listen to this new record that we have coming out in September, it's called Shotgun. It ain't over. Mm. There's so much going on in the tracks that we do together, production-wise. Yeah. There's so many elements and layers. There's not a single moment in that whole song where the vocal does not cut through clear as day. Wow. 
And it just as a producer, yeah, just, I'm like, ah, <laughs> like I, I, and that mix hits, you know. Yeah, he and he and when he mixed uh, Bound, he, he sent the V1 back. I only had one change. Wow. I was just like, turn the toms up in the drop, and we and we're we good. good. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> and that. it's it's so nice to work with people at that level of professionalism at that level of experience yeah yeah well just goes to show i mean when you were saying about whoever it was that said like where are all the people you know that mm-hmm. were you worked with in the past it's like well here just the right time now. right moment timing. yeah and you're just smart enough to know like you know those asks aren't you just toss them out wherever like yeah. you're focused on something that means a lot to you as an artist and then you know all the amazing people that you can mm-hmm. call upon when the time is right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, again, I feel like we could talk for so long, <laughs> but I'm really excited to hear about everything in your career and also what's coming up for Before Dawn. I hope everyone listening and watching stays tuned because it's coming out in 2024. So yes. we've got a little bit of lead time, but there's going to be lots of new music from you in between. Right? Yeah, New Dawn is on the way. Um, Can't wait. The Hardware record is coming out. I recently made a record with with uh, Kill Script. You know Kill Script. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. For so sure. I, you know, my thing is like I love developing and I love new artists and I yeah. love seeing somebody that I'm like, there's something there. Yeah, with that person. And he was one of those people that I reached out to and was like there's something here with you and I love everything that you're doing. And so we made a record together recently. Um, and yeah, I'm probably going to do two more collabs just to, you know, so to support the album and to come out alongside it. Cool. And then the deluxe album, new Dawn deluxe is going to have a bunch of collabs on it too. Can't wait to see who you, uh, you got cooking up stuff with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. And there's some remixes you said too, right? Yeah, there's a laid back Luke remix that's coming out. Legend. On the Yeah, Luke is one of my favorite people. He's another one of those people that when I see him DJ, I'm like, ah, like cuz I have <laughs> DJing's like the last thing I picked up. Mm-hmm. It's the last of all the things that yeah. I do, DJing yeah. was and the he's last. He's got thing. all the tricks up his sleeve. As a DJ for so long. You'd too. be hard pressed to find anyone better. Yeah, yeah he's sure. amazing and as a producer as well. Um, yeah, both. He was one of the first people that I feel like was equally good at both. Mm-hmm. Equally like, yeah. you know, prolific. Yeah. 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 And every time I play this remix, it's the lead single off the album. Um, and he remixed that one. So every time I play it, it goes off. And it ha- I've been playing it for like a year. It goes off consistently every show, no matter if it's a festival, a warehouse party. Um, so we're really excited to put it out. He's excited too. So, I bet. Well, yeah. I'm excited for you. We're excited for you. And Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you guys yeah. for having this me. Is aw- this is a blast. So much. I know. I learned so much. And I will so. say for anyone listening who's like, who is this genius? Because <laughs> like, honestly, I really do feel like I love hearing your lessons from the music industry mm-hmm. so i know maybe. you talk about it a lot <laughs> on your social media and you're really transparent and really open about it so mm-hmm. like very much encourage people to follow you find you at bright lights and thank you listen to what she's got to say thank okay you. thank you <laughs> Absolutely. we love you thank you for stopping thank by you guys. thank you so much